Welcome to The Spun Chunks, episode number 224 for Monday, December 19th, 2022, our last live episode of the year. My name is Joel Duggan, and joining me as always is my friend Johnny, who happens to be a lot warmer and also known as Pixel Riffs. Hello, sir. Hello, I am a bit warmer. If you want to hear about that, if you want to hear about how I've apparently passed my troubles on to Joel and and a couple of other people, so sorry about that. Uh, not sure how that happened. I'll try to avoid it in future. Uh, plus, a couple of other things, what games we've been playing lately, all of that kind of stuff. We usually talk about all of that in the extended version of the episode. We call it the Render Distance. You can get it from patreon.com slash thespawnchunks if you sign up to be a patron and support the show. And patrons will probably already know, and people who've been paying attention to our last episode that was released will probably know that we have pre-recorded an episode at this point the december chunk mail dispenser episode was pre-recorded on thursday and that's going to be published on monday december 26th so you folks have something to listen to over the christmas period but joel and i don't have to be in our offices recording it when we could be spending time in warm houses with good company and good food uh we're going to be back recording live episodes every monday from the new year starting on monday january 2nd 2023 look forward to seeing you all there and we're also looking forward to having a nice break before we get into what we've been up to in minecraft this week uh i wanted to share some fun news Uh, we will have more data on this kind of stuff in the new year because uh in january we have our quarterly hangout with our patrons where we report on how the podcast is doing in q4 but also as a whole in 2022 but this was such a fun exciting thing to share i wanted to get this out here before the holidays Uh, as of this morning the total number of downloads for the Spawn Chunks has crested past 2 million. We are wow. now 2,015,486 downloads. That's across all episodes since we started the show back in 2018. So a uh, pat on the back, Johnny. Dude, <laughs> like, that's... Well done, friend. <laughs> that's immense. That's so cool. And thank you for sharing. Yeah, and, and thank thank you all listening for uh, for contributing to that because it's been such a fun thing to do this and it really feels like a part of our routine for the last few years in yeah a really solid way and it's it's been so fun doing this this show every week and long may it continue um now let's have a quick login and talk about what's new in our minecraft lives and we may as well start with you joel what's new on the citadel I have been continuing along with the West River builds that I was uh, showcasing the last time we chatted. Uh, I've uh, finished the secondary build, and even though I was happy with the roof that I was talking about last time, I couldn't find a way to get a staircase up to the second level. And so a lot of times in these medieval builds, one of the easiest ways to get a staircase up to the next level is to build a tower and put the staircase in the tower. Happened all the time in medieval builds. And uh, that's what I did here, except for I did it over the entrance. So it's not quite the spiral staircase that you expect. So you actually enter into the building and have a little hallway into the main floor. And then there's a secondary staircase from the main floor that loops back around and takes you out over the roof but it's all encased in a short little tower. It worked out really, really well. It's stuff like this that I don't plan. And when it all comes together and works out, I'm just tickled by it. Mm -hmm. And uh, it really allowed me to add a fun little cozy second floor. I get to mess around with a cool like custom double bed and and stuff like that. Um, But it was a small build because the tower is only like three by three. So the the next thing I did was make a loop around the outside, finish the, the chimney and finish the roof. And I was able to put in a bunch of little exterior details, like having a wood pile. Um, there's a small, I'm not even sure what the technical term is for them, but there's a trap door next to the chimney where someone outside could then put wood inside without having to carry it all the way around inconveniently. It's like a it's like a wood chute or a wood trap or something like that. So having those I find in builds like this is, is a fun way to kind of add some functionality to what otherwise is just a straight Minecraft wall, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do, having things like that, um, using fire uh, campfires with the fire extinguished as like stacked firewood, as I often do. And I find layering in all those details is is a lot of fun. Um, I also completed the walkway around the back of the building. The landscaping isn't finished, but the actual planned stone cobble path is done. And then the last piece that I had to work on was the walled garden that is between the two houses. So the, the two houses kind of share a property and in between them, there's like a little koi pond, some flowers, a couple of custom trees. And I really like the trick that, um, that cosmic on the server reminded me of is, and that's, um, waterlogging slabs and then placing coral 
on mm. them, whether it's yeah. a coral fan or whether it's a coral, uh, like a full size coral and things like fire coral go so well with the rose bushes and, um, the, I think the, like the, the blue coral fan goes really well with cornflowers and, and blue orchids. So I have a bunch of that in there and I even have a yellow coral fan on top of a warped trapdoor. It looks like a lily pad. Mm-hmm. Uh, along with other really, really, you know, Minecraft lily pads next to it. So all that kind of stuff layered in there really helps with kind of creating a pretty dense looking garden for a, a space that's only like maybe seven by 12 or something like that. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I had a lot of fun with it. It's it's it, it's the kind of thing that took like the full three hour stream to do because you're just noodling. Like you're just, you're just kind of messing back and forth and trying to figure out what's up and uh, made my life easier by removing all of the taiga grass and replacing it all with... Um, moss so that i could use azalea bushes and nothing looked like it was kind of a weird color yeah um, the trouble there of course is that if you want to use something that is a, a leaf block that or a, a bush block that will change color in the taiga biome you just have to be aware of it so i did a custom tree and i used mangrove leaves because they changed to be the color of spruce leaves in the in the spruce biome the taiga biome whereas the um azalea leaves on the ground and the flowering azalea they stay the very bright green color so it all worked mm -hmm. out Nice. Yeah, like I like the way it looks. It's very cozy. And nice. especially with, with like the shaders and stuff, you've got like rays of the sun coming down through yeah. the, the trees and everything. That's like very, very atmospheric. Yeah, I really like making custom trees with mangrove uh, leaves. I find them very forgiving because they're very dense. You can't yeah. see through them very well. And they have that vertical texture. They look like mm -hmm. that. they have that willow look to them. That's one of the things I would love from future tree editions. I know that the wood palette is ever growing at this point and it's, it feels silly to want more immediately after we've just got mangrove. But if they end up making like palm fronds or something like that, I would love there to be more like oh, thick yeah. and vertical leaf designs. Like I think those those work so well. I was actually talking about custom trees while, you know, with a couple of people in chat that were asking questions about them when I was kind of doing some tips. And I use, uh, when I get close to the top of trees now, I use mangrove roots instead of having a log go all the way up. Like I, the last little bit I change into mangrove roots. So it looks like still twigs, but, um, it, um, it has more of a branchy feel to it. Mm -hmm. And I tried using spruce leaves, uh, to do the custom tree at the top. And they're so transparent compared to the mangrove. They felt entirely out of place. Yeah. So I, I, I feel like it made me comment that I, I, I would like to see a, a slight revisit on some of the older leaf textures. Now that we've got such new ones coming in, I kind of want a little bit of a, a revisit on things like the, the spruce leaf texture it seems very sparse compared to others. It can also depend on whether or not you're running stuff like Sodium and some of the attached mods because a lot of what they will do is cull the faces of blocks that you can't see and so sometimes that results in you only really seeing two of the faces of the leaf blocks so you're not oh, getting the full transparency right. and I'm not necessarily saying that's what's coming across in, in yours. No, I, I don't I don't know based on the screenshots but um, I find that on Empires because we use Sodium and a few other mods for for a little bit of performance optimization and one of the things that does is reduce the amount of transparency or reduce the faces that you can see in those transparent blocks so that it doesn't have to load things behind things and that's apparently one of the things that's graphically more complex to process and that results in a few quirks like leaf blocks not seeming as substantial along with sodium's ongoing issue with glass transparency where you can't do that layered glass effect because it basically doesn't let you see anything transparent behind another transparent block um so so that might be part of why the spruce leaves feel a little bit thinner but i think the texture still has way more room in it than mangrove does there's a lot less solid area and it tends to be a lot more pixely so yeah, yeah. I, I i i can see where you're coming from with that even without the uh the potential for sodium to be interfering a little oh i mean i will 100 percent uh agree i i think that's definitely one of the things contributing to it because i'm looking at one of my screenshots right now and i for sure cannot see the other side of a block like it's mm -hmm. it's definitely not it's definitely doing the culling thing so that's good to know because that because that way it keeps me from because i always feel a little bit self-conscious if i'm complaining you know air quotes complaining about something like that on on stream because i'm just like well you know like i am running mods like how much of this is really you know 
I I, I don't want to sound like I'm throwing shade at Mojang when yeah, sure. really it's 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 not it's not being displayed as it was designed for me to be complaining about it. That seems kind of silly, but no, it's, it's good self, to know. I'll test it out. Yeah, I'll yeah. test it out because see if it looks any, any denser. I've also been really tempted to run like a, a texture pack with. Um, I think they called bushier leaves a lot of the time where they have mm, like another yeah. across another cross section of of pattern to kind of make things feel really bushy. And maybe that's all I need to do is just like run one of those and then be done with it, right? That's one of the things we do on Empires, actually. And we have been placing a lot of spruce leaves ourselves because we're currently on the Hermitcraft server where they don't have bushy leaves. But we have been trying to Christmasify the mountain crater that's very near to their spawn area. And that's turned into a jolly little Christmas village. It started to fill up with... Uh, odd little features, massive candy canes, a few Christmas presents that were made for people that are just kind of left around there, and that's worked out really well. I've, I've ended up stringing a bunch of frog lights up, because Azuma showed me where his frog light farm was. Big mistake. I like frog lights a lot, and I will use them. Um, but yeah, <laughs> we, we now have a string of frog lights that goes from one side of this mountain crater to the other, and a Santa's workshop in there, and a bunch of houses that people have built in their own build styles from empires but very much themed around christmas and the christmas tree in the center started off as a regular spruce tree that we just let grow from a sapling but has uh, since the screenshot that i'm sharing in in our live chat has grown three sizes so i'm uh, yeah looking forward to sharing some final vi uh, videos and, and screenshots of that christmas area before we move on from it so very much the opposite of the grinch it's gone three yes. sizes too yeah, big. No, ab big. Absolutely, yeah. Um, outside of that, though, I've been still doing the rounds on the server, trying to like interact with a few people while I can, and uh, one of the people whose paths I have crossed with lately has been Zedaf. Uh, so I'm cooking up some fun with him. I'm not going to reveal too much about it here because we're recording the rest of it today, but there is a, a collab coming up where we're going to try and get as many people as possible involved, and it involves riding pigs. And that's all you need to know. Out of context, I will also share a swimming pool that I have built, for the occasion um there, there is a, a massive swimming pool that i was planning on stream and people were feeding me facts about how big olympic sized pools were and because they're 50 meters of course you can calculate that based on minecraft blocks because each block is meant to be a meter and i was like that's too big <laughs> we can't we can't build something olympic size so i went with like local recreation center size swimming pool it's about half the size of the uh the the full size 50 meter ones but in the end i built a little diving board and some starting blocks and just tried to like embellish it a little bit and it's it's turned out pretty well so there is now a variety of other things built around that and we'll we'll get up to some some fun stuff around there later um but i've been working on other minor projects just stuff that can take me like a couple of hours log into the server just do something like the other day because vintage beef on this season of hermitcraft has done a load of map art and he's basically designed trading cards for all of the hermits so that each of them has their own stats and their own special moves kind of like the pokemon trading card game i went to visit him because i wanted to see this project and i wanted to say hi because he was one of the people who hadn't come over to empires and he had like a massive nether tunnel leading out to him that they had built from the nether hub and then once you got to the point where you turned off to reach his portal it was just out in the middle of the open nether surrounded by ghast fireball pits and like everything was on fire and it was all broken up terrain and i went you've you've not really managed to get like a decent nether tunnel connection he was like i haven't had the time i've been doing map art since the season began so i went back this uh last stream and i just built him a connection to the nether hub because i was like this man deserves it with the amount of effort that he's gone through so i uh decided i'd i'd do some good deeds and spread some good cheer on the hermitcraft server before christmas nice it's um it's really cool that project I've, I've been following it here and there and uh talk about a massive undertaking and mm -hmm. the fact that it looks so good and on top of all of the grind work uh and i say grind work because it's i mean it's also it's it's getting all the blocks and moving everything but also the way that he's designed it is very efficient so that he's only removing the things that he needs to remove and then um just the 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 artwork uh and then on top of all of that you've got the actual game design, like the stats and who's like, what is a good hit? What's a strong hit? What's a good defense? What's a good ability? Like all that kind of stuff is so complicated. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and to have designed that before the season even started, like hats off. Like I, I think that kind of stuff is, is super, super cool. And I was going to ask you about the, the projects like that. So going into the holidays, like knowing that you're going to be taking some time off, uh, is that one of the reasons why you're kind of keeping the projects on the small side? 
Yeah, that and not wanting to commit myself too heavily into something that I'm going to get in too deep. And then, you know, we are still working on the storyline of all of this and how long the empires are going to spend on Hermitcraft. And right. like, I, I don't want to like, the the copper aging facility has really been like the one big project that I wanted to do. And everything else is just like icing on the cake. It's just like more reasons to be out there interacting with people, getting involved with fun stuff while we can. And it's just been, you know, a joy from start to finish, really. Nice. Did you decorate the tunnel or did you just make like a netherrack box? Oh, no, I decorated it. Like I, I, oh, nice. I built in like the the rest of their nether hub is all crimson wood panels, like stripped crimson wood and andesite uh, archways and stuff like that. So I did a segment of that. It takes a right turn and there's one segment of that. And then it does like a, a gradient from uh, unstripped crimson stems through nether brick to warped stems. And then from there into the cyan color palette in the same way that he with the hermitcraft tcg logo that beef designed kind of has a cyan to gray gradient in there so i decided to throw in a little bit of that and then because he's been doing so much pixel art i did two big pixel art representations of his minecraft skin's face uh, on either side of the tunnel so you're absolutely in no doubt as to whose entrance you've made it to uh, <laughs> yes. and then did a roof and boxed it in and made sure that the portal was nice and big but it has a wall behind it so you don't get shot by ghasts when you go through it and like just little bits and pieces like that and I, I wanted to make sure that he at least had some way of getting to and from the nether hub in style very very cool moving on into the short news that we have this week uh, the uh, minecraft bedrock edition beta and preview version 1.19.60.24 was released on december 14th under experimental features chiseled bookshelf now fills when player is dropping books into the connected hopper or dropper features and bug fixes raids now trigger properly when the player with a bad omen enters a village while raiding slash gliding fixed the degradation when rapidly attacking mobs Hoppers will no longer fail to collect items when trying to pull in multiple types of items. Horses can no longer be pushed over fences with carpets on top. Vex's hitboxes are now vertically centered with their models. The Vex now uses a separate charging animation when empty-handed. Vexes now render offhand items. And Vex and Allays now sit properly in boats and minecarts. Under touch controls and technical updates, fixed a problem where the touch D-pad's forward button was not functional when holding the strafe or left-right button. A short list of technical updates to the UI, commands, API, and mobs can be found on the Minecraft.net article linked in our show notes. In other news, Minecraft.net has another little article that links to the YouTube page where they've created scenes from the overworld. These kind of soothing scenes that you've maybe seen if you've looked up any kind of like you know ambient sounds to study to uh kind of genre video on youtube the minecraft youtube channel has posted five of those and these are animated videos that loop there's subtle motion sound and environmental effects just various minecraft scenes uh, and a full description of each scene is in the minecraft.net article that's linked in our show notes as well and you can download desktop wallpapers from those scenes if you feel like adding them to uh to your your pc or laptop desktop uh, each scene is one hour long. There's a fireplace, a rainy swamp, a beach escape, an aquarium, and falling snow, all themed around the Minecraft overworld. And uh, they're honestly very sweet. Um, I found them a really sweet way for Minecraft to kind of do something fun. It's not necessarily festive. The fireplace feels very cozy and Christmassy, but uh, as it is, it's just one of those nice little, like, relaxing ambient sounds while you study things that are, are fairly popular these days. I took a look at a couple of these. I, I thought the fireplace was pretty funny because there's a, a fox curled up in front of it, which is like it's not a dog. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. It's, it's because I think the fox is the better color and it's and a little the, funnier. And the fox being curled up in game is like natural Minecraft fox behavior, whereas dogs don't necessarily have that like right that that model built into them. So yeah, I, I think it's a um, that pose. I think it's a nice uh, a, a nice nod to the fact that dogs in minecraft don't do that so the natural choice seems to be a fox and i i've done this recently uh and i do this over the holidays i do it a lot of times in the winter time because i had a fireplace growing up and finding a couple of good fireplace loops on on youtube is great uh it's tough sometimes to find one that's not playing holiday music that's just the crackling fire it's tough to find one that's not like a a, a three minute loop that just loops for 12 hours 
And so I found a couple and that's how I found this. I was searching for a new 4K fireplace because I have a big TV and I ended up stumbling across these Minecraft um, scenes and they are in 4K. And the other one that I, I watched for a little while just for fun was the aquarium. It doesn't, it's not really in an aquarium. It's, it's, it's only an aquarium because it looks like it's in your TV, but it really is like an ocean scene with like coral and all kinds of cool stuff. But again, it's, they're all in 4K and the, the aquarium scene is vibrant and beautiful and very mm -hmm. calming. Uh, I, I enjoyed the, um, like the swish of the water and like the bubbles and stuff like that. And uh, I used 4K aquarium um, video on YouTube early on when I first got my TV to calibrate the TV and get the colors right and stuff. Oh, cool. Yeah. And just, and just because like you first get a big TV like that and you're like, I don't know what I'm going to search for. And you're like, well, I just, I need to know that it's working. So let's just find a 4k video. And one of the first things that people use in 4k video tests is either like an artificial pattern, kind of like a THX pattern or something like that. Or it's just a 4k video of an aquarium because tropical fish are so colorful it's going to really show off what your tv can do yeah and um with my um led lights that respond to the television both the cozy fire and the um, aquarium in these video were very fun you know very bright colors on the aquarium and then very cozy oranges everywhere with the um the fireplace i really wanted the sound i like the sound of the fire happening in the minecraft video the cozy video compared to the natural sound of the fire, the campfire in game. I'd love to steal the sound and have it be swapped in. Like I might make a resource pack because it was it was more subtle than than the um, the popping campfire that's mm -hmm. that's in Minecraft right now. Yeah, I think it's fun. Like I I've we we've talked about wanting other soundscapes in the game for a little while, having like the sound of waves when you reach a beach biome or a swamp or something like that. So I think it's it's kind of fun that this is a way of including that whilst also not having to deal with the problems of incorporating that of like tracking when the player's standing in a certain biome to play the ambience and you know transitioning that noise in and out fading it that kind of stuff like it, it, it you end up overcoming a lot of the technical hurdles if you just release it as something standalone like this so we can move into chunk mail we've only got one email this week but it is a, a good one coming in uh if you want to email the show it is spawnchunkmail at gmail.com please use that email address we don't answer anything else and uh, we will be looking forward to new messages in the new year. So you've got lots of time, a little bit of a break over the holidays to uh, think of new things to ask us or bring up in conversation here on the show. Absolutely. Uh, this one comes in from Ellis and the subject is what about oil? G'day, Joel and Johnny. I take it you're Australian. Uh, as a dairy farmer working 25 hours a day, eight days a week, it's a struggle to find time to play some quality Minecraft. So binge listening to your podcast while driving a tractor has been a fantastic way to get that Minecraft fix. After hearing many suggestions for what basically seems to boil down as item transportation in the nether, I've come up with an idea I don't think I've seen or heard anywhere else. What about oil? Oil deposits could be found, probably fairly rarely, in the overworld, maybe even alongside fossils. Yes, I know that would make it super difficult to find, but I think it would be worth the effort with how useful it has the potential to be, and could also make fossils much more sought after. It could be a renewable resource in the same way water and lava now is using dripstone, and could function in the same way lava does by only flowing four blocks in the overworld and eight in the nether, which would also make some real-world relatability as far as oil viscosity is concerned. With that in mind, items or mobs could be slowed down or sped up while moving through it. Other uses could be filling a glass bottle and then using those in a brewing stand with gunpowder to make a splash oil bottle, which could then potentially be used to splash on mobs for longer lasting fire when they were hit with flame or fire aspect, or simply thrown on the ground where it would spread over a few blocks, which could then be ignited with a flint and steel or a flame arrow, burn for a certain amount of time, and then go out. Yes, oil just solved the ranged lighting while caving discussions I've heard a lot on as well. Thank you both for keeping me and so many others occupied with a fantastic podcast, and I hope to hear your thoughts on my thoughts sometime in the not-too-distant future. Ellis fell upwards out of the world because Australia is upside down. I knew it! I knew you were Australian! <laughs> Caught! <laughs> the g'day gives them all away every time. I, this is a really cool idea. Uh, I, don't, I don't know whether it's something that we would end up seeing from Mojang just because using oil in game where Mojang seems to be so environmentally conscious of what they yeah. put in Minecraft. I kind of feel like they could 
make up some other kind of substance that would act just the same, but call it something else um, and maybe make it a different color. So it's not obvious. Um, Cause I think like making oil a cool thing is maybe not <laughs> something that would be on the high list, but that's a really, that's a really kind of technical way to look at it. Yeah, considering that lately they've con they've been more concerned with like you know bringing attention to endangered animals, you know coral reef conservation, mangrove conservation, that kind of stuff. Yeah, it does. It would seem like an about turn from from their environmentally conscious worldview. Um, and I think that th that's a good reason to seek it out from mods, which maybe don't have to deal with those concerns like they're, they're not worried so much about um you know including them in in vanilla minecraft um so i i did a quick bit of research i think i'd seen it previously in the galacticraft mod pack uh, and it may have been from buildcraft or maybe buildcraft uses it coincidentally but buildcraft is another mod that uses oil to power various generators and other machines and it's found in kind of a similar way it's found just sort of as natural deposits in the ground you encounter oil sources almost the same way that you encounter underground lakes of water or lava or anything like that i don't think you find it in such large areas especially not in 1.18 but i haven't really seen those mods updated to more recent versions so i'm not sure uh, a quick google search turned up immersive petroleum which is an add-on for immersive engineering which does pretty similar stuff introduces it as an alternate way of generating power and a few other kind of fun physics things that can go along with it so worth checking those out because yeah as we were saying i don't know if it's necessarily in mojang's wheelhouse to include that and that aside what we tend to use oil for in the real world really sort of took off to a certain extent around like industrialization right like inter the internal combustion engine and all of that kind of stuff um obviously it was would have been used before that for various reasons but that's the reason the oil is so much a part of our daily lives and the minecraft world is still fairly low tech you know you're still fighting with a sword and shield and that kind of stuff and i loved ellis's ideas of how oil could be used but it doesn't really feel like it lives up to the potential that we would expect from oil, given that we're a, a global society that relies on it so much right now. I wonder if there's room to take some of those ideas, like having a substance in Minecraft that you could put into a bottle and, and make, you know, either a, a, a grenade of sorts, like a splash potion, but instead of a splash potion, it would make something sticky. Like maybe it would, maybe you can, you know, similar to how spiders attack players in Minecraft Dungeons, you could use it to stick a creeper to the floor and run away, you know, and, and get yourself some distance um, or or just use it for other things. Use it for mob traps, use it for um, even mini games, you know, like or maybe it's the reverse. Maybe it doesn't make things sticky. Maybe it makes things slick. Like if you want to make like a slip and slide in Minecraft, uh, we slide around on ice, but you have to move ice around in order to make other surfaces slippery cover it with carpet or whatever maybe having something like you know a slime or something um that you could use could be kind of fun i'm i'm thinking like the way that that alice described finding it seems really rare as well so if you're going to add something like this to the game that has this many functions people are going to want to find it and i'm wondering if you could do it by like melting down slimes <laughs> you know mm -hmm. yeah. or if it's something that's supposed to be later game, maybe that's, I mean, we already have the frog lights now coming from um, magma cubes, but maybe it's something that you could find in the nether, you know, and I way back, I don't remember what episode it was that I, I, I had this on here, but I was thinking about nether goo, like introducing some sort of liquid into the nether that wasn't lava that would have the same sort of like flows quickly in the nether, but flows slowly in the overworld. And maybe I was thinking of purple or green or some other kind of like, I was thinking like eighties toys slime kind of idea. And I feel like this could like all of these ideas of, you know, coating a block in, in oil as Ellis described it, or any kind of slime or goo and have it change the properties of that block from a gameplay standpoint to maybe either make it sticky or slippery. That would also be cool if it would change it visually so that you could, people could use it as a decorating thing. You know, mm -hmm. you could have, you know, what looks like a, a block that's got a, a goopy top to it that looks like an overflowing, you know, barrel of slime or something. Now, in Satisfactory that I play a lot, oil is 
brought out of the ground in that game mostly for fuel however it also is the manufacturing product in rubber and plastic and i know we're pretty low tech for the most part in minecraft we do get into some of the the um realm of like you know metallurgy with certain anvils and like metal doors and trap doors and things like that so i'm wondering if at any point there'd be a, a stage where minecraft could move into i don't know if plastic but rubber seems like something could be useful i guess slime kind of has that function right now like if you jump on a slime block you kind of bounce around a little bit mm-hmm. and so i'm wondering if there could be any potential uses for rubber or plastic in in minecraft and i i guess there's a broader question like i know that we're kind of we often think about minecraft as that medieval kind of idea with swords and shields and stuff do you ever see a a, a time when minecraft does introduce new materials like plastic like we've got concrete you know we've got colored concrete and glazed terracotta but i guess glazed terracotta has been around for a really long time in terms yeah, of like the world like the romans were using concrete you know concrete, just yeah. perhaps not in the the way that we think about using it now but it's yeah. Yeah, still a still a thing um does minecraft's future hold an industrial revolution it's a it's a really interesting problem and i i'm inclined to say no but this is also a game that they plan on updating for potentially a century so it yeah. any, anything could happen at that point i don't want to rule anything out <laughs> nuclear fusion <laughs> yeah maybe uh seshi summons in our live show chat just pointed out that uh oil is in minecraft education edition so i just did a quick uh scroll through the wiki to see what i could find um and it's in a list of compounds compounds can be made by combining elements in minecraft education edition is presumably just for um science classrooms to use minecraft as a teaching tool for that kind of stuff especially in situations where you're not exactly able to create crude oil in a classroom environment um but if you combine nine carbon and 20 hydrogen you get crude oil and apparently that's the chemical formula for nonane um you also get benzene by combining different levels of carbon and hydrogen and a few other bits and pieces and they're not really used for anything from there they don't have the kind of range of possibilities that ellis was suggesting in in this email but there's still you know there's precedent for it like you can create oil in a version of minecraft i'm not sure if it's going to be full-on survival vanilla minecraft anytime soon but uh they at least they're at least aware oil exists yeah, I mean that's the first that I've I've heard of it, but I, I confess I have not looked into Minecraft Education Edition in in quite some time. But I mean, we never know. There's lots of um, opportunities, as you said, with with mods and and things like that to uh, to explore it. So I'm I'm surprised that I I haven't seen it in more mods. But maybe I just haven't spent enough time in modded Minecraft to to pick up on it. I I think you have to get a fair way into the tech tree on some of the mod packs that are out there for it to really show up and be useful and makes sense. And, and even then, like it, it's it's something that you find as part of a natural world that you're exploring, but you don't necessarily know what to do with it until you get into Galacticraft, which is like, well, I'm gonna use some of this oil to fuel my rocket ship, <laughs> and that's a lot further down the line, I think. So before the show, you and I were batting around some ideas about what to talk about on the very last episode of the year. And uh, I don't know if we've done this in the past. It feels like we probably have. We've been doing the show long enough that I don't remember, which is probably a good thing. Uh, looking back at Minecraft in, in 2022 and the changes uh, that have happened to the game and the different player experiences seemed like a, a pretty good place to start. Uh, so do you have kind of like a, a, a location or a version where you want to kick off the discussion? I think it makes sense to start with 118 um, because that's where we were at the beginning of 2022. We were only a month into 118 and I feel like the only times we've done this on the show before have been like retrospectives when a new update comes in we kind of think well what did we think about 118 before we start talking about 119 every week on the show. Um, so we might have covered a bit of this already but um, in 2022 at the start in January I was still exploring the terrain of my new survival guide world because we were a month into 118 I'd started that at the end of November and I think I was still getting the lay of the land a little bit and I think even a year later after playing in post 118 terrain for a whole year uh, starting the new world with empires exploring hermitcraft's 118 seed I still find the terrain so wonderfully varied and interesting compared to the minecraft we were playing before that obviously it's still sinking in that the terrain is so different but it feels like there's even more variety out there in the world than there was previously 
I feel the same way, and I don't play in a 118 area right now and haven't for quite some time. The West Hill was created in a 116 generated zone. And uh, just the other week when I was doing the ABBA caving run with other server mates, that was in a 118, even a 119 area, not to get ahead of ourselves. But I remember just flying around looking for a place to get into a cave, you know, get into like a lush cave or a, or a dripstone cave to start my, my caving run. And I was just like, this is bananas. I, I have been robbing myself of the 118 experience while I plug away at, at, at West Hill. Granted, West Hill's got some cool mountains nearby, but it's not like new Minecraft mountains. They're like old, older Minecraft mountains. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to whatever my next project happens to be so that I can actually take the time <laughs> a year later and go and, and explore some 118 stuff. We've done some 118 kind of like established area for the server stuff where a few server mates have grabbed a village and claimed a house to renovate in the new 118 area. Cool Plains Village on the side of a mountain. It all, it feels great to, to go there, but I've not had any time or had any project ideas to, to do in that area. So I've really not experienced it at all. And just flying around and, and looking at stuff in that ABBA caving run as brief as it was really kind of has my, my mind going. I, I would very much like to um, do maybe like a sci-fi build something in like a new 118, now 119 um, uh, Mushroom Island. Because I know that they're generally pretty flat, but mm -hmm. underneath them, it could be it could be anything. Like it could be who knows what could be underneath there. Uh, especially if I can find one that's near another biome that might have some more interesting, interesting things. Uh, I find the thing that grabs me so much about 118 is things like dark oak forests that used to be so flat and so vast and now seem so varied. Same thing with giant taiga. Giant taiga just seem really, really cool now mm -hmm. with the, with the extreme, um, I can't remember what they're called, stony beaches and stuff that can, they can be next to. Like yeah. you get a giant taiga on the coastline and it looks majestic. You know, it really <laughs> feels like the Pacific Northwest. It's it's very, very cool. Yeah, you end up with like national park feeling For valleys sure. and stuff like that. Yeah, I yeah. found a few, a few of those in my world that I really want to go back to and build some like firewatch towers and stuff like that and, and really make it feel like it's protected land and that kind of stuff. Um, I think my other highlights of 118 really have been learning the changes to ore distribution. Like, I still get people coming to me saying, like, ever since they changed terrain, I have no idea where to find iron anymore. And I'm like, let me tell you, <laughs> because I, I spent a bit of time studying that. We obviously covered it on the show as the changes were being made and kind of commented on how that was uh, an adjustment that players were going to have to make. But even since then, going up mountains to find iron and coal instead of digging down right away or digging down in the knowledge that you weren't going to find it until you reached like a pretty significant like low point in the world and then digging even further into that and learning the new places to find huge veins of ore like copper and iron for those and you know digging around to find diamonds on lower levels and stuff i think all of that has in the same way that the terrain has brought a new lease of life into the game for players who've been playing for a long time and it may have been a minor irritation for players who had only just joined minecraft in the 117 days and then realized that everything was just about to change but hopefully people are sort of settled in now if they're playing regularly and i think there's there's a lot more to be said for the the strategy that they wanted to introduce to mining actually paying off for me I had to learn, like relearn where everything was for that Abba caving run. Um, and yeah. I, had to, I had a cheat graphic up next to me that we've shared it on the show before. It's the one that has like all the triangles on it and the bars. It's showing you like where things are vertically in the world, but then also where the density is. Like it's, it's you know, you're going to find the most iron at this level and the most uh, redstone at this level, that kind of thing. And I quickly realized that, you know, I I would not know exactly what to do off the top of my head if i was thrown into a brand new minecraft world like you know join a new server tomorrow and start off fresh like i would really have to think about okay where where am i getting stuff um and i think that that's it's an interesting twist and i'll have more to say on that later when we get into other things but i i think for me 
the lighting change? Was that 119 or 118? That was 118. And I was I was going to bring that up next as like, this is probably the thing that's impacted you the most from what I've heard you talk about for the last little while, because now that mob spawning light level has changed and you don't have to worry about light levels of seven through one being spawnable for mobs, it just opens up so much more opportunities for creativity and flexibility with lighting that we've actually been able to build atmospheric things in survival for the first time and not worry about the atmosphere generating creepers and zombies in the meantime. Oh, it's, yeah, it's been completely game-changing in terms of, uh, I might even have to go back to some of my older builds and remove some lights that I feel are too bright. But like that walled garden that I showed off earlier um, to our live chat, like that's got one glow lichen and maybe two sea pickles. And... I think the only other thing I had to do was I had to hide a sea pickle underneath a moss carpet at the other end of the, like not the pond end, but at the other end of the garden. And that basically spawn proofed the whole thing, you know, because the only other spots that might've been zeros were also stairs or slabs. So like yeah. they were already, they were already spawn proof. But I find too, um, I had like a dark spot in a staircase and I thought, man, where am I going to, you know, what am I going to be able to do to, to fill this in? And something as simple as putting like three candles on a table in a room, it'll go halfway down the hallway. And you're yeah. like, this is, this is brilliant. And you're, Cause you, I, I have a, I think it's called, uh, oh, mini HUD. I want to say it's mini HUD. Mm-hmm. I yeah. don't use it for anything other than just the quick one button. And it shows me the, the light level on the blocks. Like yeah, it just you shows get you a numerical grid. representation. So you don't have to hit F3 and go around looking at all of them for the block light statistic. Oh. Yeah so easy to make a quick check and anything that's spawnable like that that's a zero shows up as red like you really see it right away Mm -hmm. and uh i every time i do it i'm i'm genuinely surprised like all right how many zeros am i gonna see and you press it you're like oh my gosh that's a three are you kidding me and it just it feels so dark but it works when you're trying to make like a dim fantasy you know medieval looking place it it really helps and it can help in other things too like you know sci-fi is often dark any kind of moody like if you're doing any kind of spooky and you want it to be dark you can have it be dark visually and still be very well lit and something that i do like about candles is that they will put off a decent amount of light depending on how many you group together i do find the step between two candles and three candles to be pretty extreme Mm -hmm. but they don't put off nearly as much visual light as they do block light yeah, like yeah, so they, just... yeah, they they don't seem bright for how much light they actually put out technically in game. Light being quotation marks. Yeah, and it's not like it's not like putting down a sea lantern and the block itself looks very bright as exactly. lo- as well as all of the the extra stuff. Yeah. Like it's it's a very small kind of like flickering flame. And with candles, you, they don't even render the flames once you get like six blocks away or something. So something like that. Yeah, it's, it's very easy to create subtle low light everywhere instead of relying on a torch on the other side of the room lighting a certain way and then having to yeah yeah having to roll with that the entire time yeah yeah so i think lighting is my biggest takeaway from from white 18 because i haven't had a chance to really play much in the in the terrain yes um and dan grice brings this up in our live chat and i'm not sure if this was a 118 thing or if it happened in a, a later iteration of 118 or if it was really introduced in 119 but 64-bit seeds arrived on bedrock edition during this time so we actually have full world seed parity between java edition and bedrock edition now which i think is huge and it's the kind of thing that we now take for granted but back in the day when i started my original survival guide series in 113 up until 118 when i ended up rebooting it i had so many people playing bedrock edition ask me why their world looked different and it's just something you know completely you know we don't need to worry about that anymore the structures and trees and things are going to be in slightly different places but outside of that there's there's a a huge shift in the difference between bedrock and java nipped in the bud by the introduction of 64-bit seeds um but moving on to 119 we have the wild update which brought some really great features with it um i think you're probably most familiar with stuff like mangrove woods and maybe a bit of like the the skulk block sort of thing but you've not really touched the deep dark very often have you no i i have not experienced it legit i i've seen the deep dark but i've not seen an ancient city and the deep dark my real kind of like in-game experience with it where it wasn't like 
me finding it as I was doing and min stuff on the server. You know, like I when an actual like vanilla gameplay or or survival gameplay was again during the Abba caving event to which I said, "Nope, not that way." Mm-hmm. <laughs> I I'm I'm on uh, on on a hunt for ores at not the warden. Thanks very much. So I I quickly turned tail and went another direction. Uh, but it was cool to see it. Like it was kind of cool to see it creeping out and and kind of taking over a a dripstone cave. Um but no, I haven't gone down that route what i have done as you said is i traveled far field found a full-on mangrove swamp uh experienced walking around through that which was very cool and now that would have also been full 118 terrain like it all would have been brand new chunks and stuff like that so that was really really fun because like i remember the desert that was next to it was very extreme like very hilly very vertical and and the the mangrove trees and walking around in the roots with the frogs and the mud everywhere different colors across the board um really enjoyed those first few days with the mangrove swamp um as we were collecting saplings and wood and different things i still haven't run out i can't remember how many shulker boxes i filled up that stream but i like i still haven't run out of all the leaves and all the things yeah. that i collected and um i i also re- remember being really tickled by the propagules like the way that they changed the mangrove sort of like way that they grow so it's not the life cycle yeah yeah yeah. the life cycle so it's not just another sapling uh and and you can use it decoratively as well which is nice uh it's not something like a vine that keeps on growing and gets in your way like you can use bone meal on a on a custom tree um in your in your area and create these little hanging flowers from it and or you know propagules whatever you want to call them um and they just add something different you know to a tree uh in your game which is which is really really cool and so that kind of stuff was really neat to see i i really liked the addition of the mangrove roots and i found a lot of very cool uses for both mangrove roots and muddy mangrove roots as well as the mud block i've used the mud block a lot in the last little while on on my builds in west hill roofs foundations like all kinds of stuff um i know i've been champing at the bit for stairs and slabs in packed mud because i like that texture a lot better Mm -hmm. um but you only have stairs and slabs in the in the mud bricks um but uh i think that along with all the new sounds that they brought in um for things like walking on the mangrove roots and i think no, well, Moss would have come in, I guess, with one, one seventeen, one seventeen. So that was yeah, before that. yeah. So the sound, so the sound for Moss was already there, but but having like the sound for the roots and the mud and the mud bricks, like those sounds that came in with those um, those blocks were were really really cool, and and I think that it it really, as subtle as it is, we've mentioned sound a lot in the last few weeks on the show, but as subtle as it is, I think it makes a big difference. Like when I'm walking across a combination mud brick and spruce floor like it's sound i feel like i'm in a different building i feel like i've done yeah. something new and different compared to all the other stone and wood that's in west hill and it's it's a cool feeling here's a, here's a good analogy for you back when they were talking about reworking minecraft's textures back before 114 um they were talking about unifying minecraft's art style and revamping it so it felt like a more consistent art style for the era of the game that we were in i think the same is now happening with the soundscape i think now they've realized that the auditory experience of minecraft is lacking in some areas and that bringing in new sound effects in each block or each block category having its own type of sound set is really helpful to players and it helps the game feel like a more modern game as a result even though they can't do much with the the visual style of minecraft to modernize it and keep the aesthetic that it is known and loved for i think the the soundscape of minecraft changing helps with that also helps for accessibility as well because people who are partially sighted or blind aren't going to be able to always tell what something is and the sound effect can be incredibly helpful to them right um of course along with that um we also got stuff like a laze and a laze i think are still kind of underrated i think a lot of people still don't know how they would prefer to use them it's sort of like the bundle in the sense of like well this thing just holds one item what does it do and so there are some people who are still trying to work out the utility of those going back to the mangrove wood thing i find them so valuable for clearing out all of the leaves and composting them when i'm chopping mangrove wood and all i want to focus on is collecting the logs because the leaves after a certain point aren't going to get me anything and you can't 
save the leaves and then fortune them later because they don't drop saplings in the same way. So all you're going to get is sticks. I think allays are really useful for certain like circumstantial situations and it's just putting yourself in those circumstances often enough um so those were the major like utility mob edition obviously the major other mob edition we got uh besides frogs which are fantastic was the warden and obviously the warden had been long awaited and we'll get onto that in a second um the deep dark and ancient cities they make a great set piece or perhaps in in your case an interesting obstacle depending on whether you're adventuring <laughs> or you're mining right like it's it's serving the different gameplay styles a little bit but i think the warden has been a really great asset not just for a challenging encounter in a single player survival world or like you know the bane of your existence if you play hardcore i think they're really good for causing chaos on multiplayer servers they're a challenge to wrangle in the first place but it's even funnier if somebody turns up at their base and realizes that the hardest mob in the game is just sat there on their doorstep and is gonna you know darken their field of vision every time they show up and that kind of thing like i've seen them used to great effect and at this point, we are familiar enough with them that we know the ways to take care of them before they become a significant issue. They're not as destructive as something like the Wither or the Ender Dragon, but they are just, like, by reputation, known as this force of chaos and destruction. And I think that's a really good addition to Minecraft's existing range of, I, would, I won't call it a boss, but existing range of difficult mobs that enrich the game and, and give players a real challenge like that. Yeah, I would call it an experience over a yeah, boss. It's certainly think, one of those. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I've only like lived vicariously through watching you and other, you know, players that I follow online experience the deep dark and go and tech tackle the warden, or like you said, move it around and play some pranks and stuff. And I again I, I haven't experienced it myself, but I, I I can't say that it's, you know, um a bad addition to the game. You know, like I I I, I don't have any I'm not as excited about it, but that doesn't mean that I think it's it's terrible. You know what I mean? Like it just yeah. it's not for me. But I think that that it's one of those things that just kind of adds another layer. I mean, like I get excited about things like skulk sensors, right? Mm -hmm. uh, visually, I think the deep dark and the ancient cities are really cool looking. And uh, you and I spent at least a couple of weeks entertaining email on the show about what the heck the big portal looking thing in the middle <laughs> of the ancient cities is. So there's a lot of, you know, even unanswered questions yet about some of the content oh, that yeah. came out in, uh, in 2022. I think we're still getting emails about echo shards to this day. I think there's there's definitely still a lot of unanswered questions and looking forward to seeing if we get any answers in 2023 or if we're waiting even longer for those um, so we're going to look ahead to 2023 a little bit. We're probably going to do a whole separate episode on like what we're looking forward to in 2023, uh, which is going to be difficult because of the as yet unnamed status of the 1.20 update. But I think we would be remiss in reflecting on 2022 if we didn't talk about the meta aspect outside of the gameplay itself, the developments in the community and the way we talk about Minecraft in a community space. Because the other thing the Wild Update brought with it from a community perspective was a spike in debate. And it was whether Mojang was over-promising and under-delivering in the wake of the Caves and Cliffs content having been split into two updates and then the Deep Dark being delayed to 119 and the Wild Update. Um, but people were also grasping at everything as though it was a tacit announcement of a new feature like the controversy we'll call it around the concept art of birch forests and that kind of stuff so there was a bit of a back and forth and the conclusion from both sides was a need for clarity it was pretty clear that that was what the community wanted in amongst all of the the arguing and, and infighting occasionally and it was quite clear from Mojang's change in communication tactics that they wanted there to be clarity as well, so that they came under less pressure, under less fire from the community, and could make their intentions known in a more sensible, measured way. Which is why we're going into 1.20 without a formal announcement of an update name or a list of features beyond what we've already played with in Snapshots. And I'm glad that this end of the year has seen that atmosphere calm down somewhat, from what we got with the the debate around the wild update i'm glad that there wasn't an update pushed out for like the first week of december too like i mean yeah. there was the minor minor update i mean that the major one wasn't tried to 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 push out because i think there would be even less in it you know like if they tried yeah. to, to take squeeze whatever. it into the end of the year yes yeah 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 so and i think that it they did a really good job managing players expectations at minecraft live and i think 
by saying, look, 120 is not coming until 2023 and not even saying when in 2023, I think it removes that pattern that had emerged over the last couple of years of update in July or June, update in, in December, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, it happened for a couple of years there. And I feel like by saying like, no, we're just going to take, it's an old uh, Blizzard thing they used to do with World of Warcraft where it's that it was just, it was ready when it was ready. Yeah. And, and I think that, um, I, for one, would rather have a solid update and wait a little bit longer. Um, I mean, I understand that you and I are are two Minecraft players that can always find something to do, you mm-hmm. know, so we don't really get bored and start twiddling our fingers waiting for um, the next update. If anything, it's like the n- next update is coming when? Oh, crap. I only have so many months to finish what I'm doing you know, before mm-hmm. I can try the new thing. Um, but I really felt that the communication from Mojang switching gears slightly has been really clear. Um, I think as we discussed a couple of weeks ago, though, I, I, I'm a little on the fence about the, I guess, way that they're delivering minor updates and major updates. I like that they're doing major and minor updates, but I think that there's a little bit of confusion with the experimental data packs and those things all being layered on top of one another and and communicated in, in the same blog posts on minecraft.net and i won't get into any more details because we talked about that at length last time but i think that that stuff still needs to be worked on but it's not the end of the world like it's it's growing pains with a new way of delivering updates to players and i think that over the next six to 12 months we will probably see that process smoothed out to the point where it's a little easier to discern what's happening and when yeah and it might seem strange to some players especially the more jaded folks amongst us thinking that Mojang is still having to learn how to communicate a 12-year-old game at this point. They're still trying to you know, manage their way through player expectations, and that's because player expectations have grown for the scale of game that Minecraft is, and living up to that is consistently a more and more difficult task. Um, one of the other ways in which we saw a point of turbulence within the community right after the wild update really was the introduction of chat reporting to java edition and that feels like another major milestone of community debate uh, within this year and in the aftermath now we can see that things haven't really changed all that much you don't see the expected avalanche of people claiming their accounts have been falsely banned Uh, And I'm going to take that as a sign that the system is working. And after all, there aren't really many of us who actively break Minecraft's terms of service on a regular basis. Um, But I think the community was still right to scrutinize that process, not to campaign against it necessarily, but to help Mojang understand how the system needed to be better if it was going to exist at all. Because on its introduction, there were a bunch of things where certain rules were proposed and then ended up being revised in the wake of a certain pushback from the community. Like, you know, any kind of use of uh, inappropriate language or adult language um, was pushed back on on account of players using that in social situations where everybody was comfortable with it and one bad actor reporting them for that could have the entire conversation taken out of context. And so those adjustments were made. They were made very quietly. And that was obviously a point where players wanted more open communication on exactly what pieces of feedback people were hearing at Mojang. But the general impression was that things were retooled a little bit behind the scenes, and now the system seems to work. And I think the community has gotten comfortable with the idea of chat reporting being in Java Edition, especially since, if you reflect on the other tools and services that you use online this is a feature that exists in so many more of them uh it could be a lot worse and it seems like everybody is settling into that concept i'm sure there are still going to be a few people out there who are adamantly opposed to it and aren't updating past a certain version of minecraft but for the rest of us we're keeping our heads up and looking forward and it seems like mojang haven't made any further changes to that beyond a couple of tweaks here and there to chat preview and that kind of stuff so hopefully fingers crossed that's the last we're going to hear of it and the system will continue to work quietly in the community's favor from now on i agree i don't have a lot to add other than i it kind of went the way that i predicted in my head which was that the vocal minority that were you know speaking out against it in a in a very um 100 way like those are the kind of people that are probably looking to get away with stuff you know Mm -hmm. and and i feel like 
those of us that are just like, well, I don't do anything against the rules anyway, so this doesn't really affect me. And I, there seems to be a lot of talk online about freedom of speech and all that kind of stuff. And, and I feel like people forget that when you're playing in something like Minecraft, like it's not your, not your playground, (laughs) you know, like you agreed to come to the playground, which means you have to play by the playground's rules. And, and I think that um, it's important for everybody to remember that. And I'm happy, as you said, that we've not heard anything about it. It's in the last of the while. It doesn't seem to be causing an issue and it's hopefully working as designed because in the end, the intention behind it was a bloat player safety. Yeah. And, and I, and I think that that's, that's important, especially with a game that has such a young, um, potentially the first experience, you know, on the internet, you know, with, with young people is, is a game like Minecraft. And, and I think that having those protections in place is incredibly important. And I'm not a parent, but if I was, then I would be, um, you know, grateful for it. And I, um, I think that Minecraft also is a game that has a longstanding history and very multiple different versions, some of which stay alive for PVP reasons. And if people that don't want to move forward, you know, don't, don't want to go past a certain version. I mean, that's great. You can do that. And, and all the power to you just you're missing out on a lot of really cool stuff in the future but like that's if that's where you're stuck in the mud then that's where you're stuck in the mud and minecraft gives you that option and i think that's one of the things that keeps minecraft at the forefront of a lot of gaming experiences is because it has so many different versions and it has so many different options um that allow players to kind of make those decisions and my last point is just to say again i totally agree with you that it was good that the players pushed back inquisitively to say like okay well if this is happening you need to be like super clear on what's happening and when and where the data is going and all that kind of stuff that's good i like that kind of transparency um request and i i think that's it's good that people have the comfort level to make that request and it's cool that Mojang was able to say, look, look, this is exactly what's happening and why it's happening and where it's happening. And and I think that after that, I felt a lot of the vitriol around it kind of died out because the people that were maybe in there saying, you know, on the principle thing, were like, oh, wait a minute. Okay. Now, now that they've explained it, it's, it's not so bad. Like it's not yeah. as black and white as first thought, you know? Yeah. The, uh, my hope is that Obviously, players have agreed to agree to certain community standards by playing Minecraft. And at the same time, players are holding the Mojang team, the Minecraft team, to a standard of their own. You know, they, they're saying, we're, we're going to follow your community standards. We get to hold you accountable. And that's that's great. That's That's a good working relationship as long as things don't escalate to the point where people are misunderstanding each other. Um, and looking ahead to 1.20, we're seeing that communication style. We're seeing... Mojang's desire for clarity and to not misrepresent their intentions with the game feeding back into the update cycle. And we have some features already that we can get very excited about, even if we don't have a full picture of the update yet. I'm still really excited about chiseled bookshelves now that they are as good as they are. And I'm still very excited about hanging signs and what the potential is for some of those. We know the theme, loosely speaking, is about self-expression and inclusivity. And beyond that, we know very little. So I remain very excited to cover Minecraft for the next year and see new features arriving in snapshots and putting together this jigsaw puzzle that they've given us for what 1.20 actually looks like. And beyond that, it could be a very big year for Minecraft, depending on what else they have planned. I think the last few years, they've been just knocking it out of the park, you know, in terms of um, you know, starting with, I want to say, the Nether update. And I think ever since then, they've just made, even if you're not excited about everything or if you're not excited about the flagship change that's happening there's always something that's just like oh wow wait a minute that's cool like i i need that in my life i mean i think that the deep dark and the skulk sensor are a really good example of me going like deep dark that's cool i don't know if i'm going to be you know going there all the time but i want that skulk sensor (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. for fun with redstone and and things like that and i i think that um i'm i'm always really curious to see um, where they're taking things and to to go back to the the major and minor updates something that i've always you know asked for on the show for as long as i can remember is 
more frequent updates rather than big holdouts for months and months and months and months until uh, something big. I like the idea of having smaller incremental updates, especially when they are now with the communication from Mojang refined to the point where we're not putting something out there that's not concrete and, and going in the game. And I think it creates more of a predictability, but then also um, a steadier flow of changes. And something that we've seen, I think, in the last few weeks is a lot more um, player feedback being taken into consideration. Chiseled Book Sales being a really good example mm-hmm. of, of that. And I think that given the opportunity of a slightly slower pace, but coupled with the more frequent, potentially more frequent updates, I think that we're going to see a, a better experience, probably, probably closer to what players are hoping for because of the reduction in the breakneck pace that might've been happening at, at Mojang to keep up with player expectation, shifting to a, you know, a, a more moderate kind of uh, update cycle with more time being taken to consider player feedback and more opportunity with, you know, player feedback, which I, that might go against what I was saying earlier too, about like being confused about like the experimental features being layered into different um, snapshots. That might be a key way to get player feedback, right? So like you kind of have to, yes, it's confusing, but if that's the best way to get player feedback way ahead of time, then like you kind of have to yin yang, you kind of have to figure out what the balance is, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think this year has been a rebalancing year for for the Minecraft community mm-hmm. in general, like for for expectations for the game itself, for the creative inventory. <laughs> I feel like this this whole right. year almost <laughs> feels like it's had the theme of rebalancing after such a big upheaval with changes to terrain, the entire world really changing and that kind of stuff. And hopefully w- once we have found that equilibrium, if we have found it this year, then that can continue into 2023 but the podcast cannot continue any further that's it i'm closing the door on this podcast and uh we can wrap up this episode of the spawn chunks you can find more information about the show and links to some of the stuff that we have talked about today over at thespawnchunks.com the music for the show is composed by me and 2022 has been a fantastic year to be supported by our wonderful group of patrons if you're getting some value out of the show why not make your new year's resolution to subscribe to the spawn chunks on patreon and put some of that value back in you can visit patreon.com slash the spawn chunks to do that pledging at any level gets you an invite to our patrons only discord chat and you can participate in the live show recording as it happens every week you can listen to our monthly minecraft audio hangout where we discuss screenshots and fun stuff that the community has been up to that month we are currently at 333 patrons which is a great number to finish out 2022 on um we're currently up three from last week so that's always good news and special thanks go out to our content engineers hunter 555 jumbo sale and yitz for your support on this episode Sharing the podcast with your friends is the easiest way to support the show. You can find us at The Spawn Chunks on Twitter and Instagram. Personal recommendations are by far the best way to share the podcast. Just tell a friend about The Spawn Chunks and that they can listen on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and even YouTube. You can also leave us a rating and a review on your favorite platform. Email the show at spawnchunkmail at gmail.com. Find the RSS feed on the spawnchunks.com and the patron-only RSS feed on the Patreon page. That's where you can listen to The Render Distance, the extended version of the podcast. My name is Johnny, but online I go by Pixel Riffs. You can find most of what I do at youtube.com slash pixelriffs, where I am currently on the Hermitcraft server. But for how much longer, we will have to see. Uh, I stream three days a week on Twitch, where I do behind-the-scenes work for my YouTube series, and I'm the voice of the unofficial Hermitcraft recap, which has had a very strange couple of weeks, but you can find us through a quick YouTube search if you want to catch up with that. Aside from that, I'm at Pixel Riffs on both Twitter and Instagram. Joel, where can people find you online? Everything I am up to online can be linked through joelduggan.com. You can also check out the Citadel Cafe, my sci-fi and fantasy entertainment podcast. Coming up this week, we've got the Holiday Roundtable. That's the annual holiday show where I bring in uh, most of the guests from across the year to see if we can't hang out, talk about what we're up to over the holidays, have some nerdy conversations. You can follow me at Joel Duggan on social media and Joel Duggan on Twitch, where I stream Friday, Saturday, and Sunday with Lego and Minecraft and expect some extra streams between Christmas and New Year's. Thanks for visiting the Spawn Chunks. The world outside is infinite. Happy holidays.